Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Level up, human. The comedy science podcast. Souping up the Homo sapien. Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how we can make it better. We're taking suggestions from our panel, from our audience here at the Latitude Festival, and from the natural world to try and work out exactly what the next stage in human evolution should be. We're putting together a to-do list for human evolution, and we'll use anything we can from microsurgery to a smoldering iron, or even fuzzy felt if it's appropriate. I'm your host Simon Watt, and today I'm joined by three primates who just happen to be people. Judging the ideas to see if they are worth incorporating into future editions of the species, we have elf lions. Elf. Hello. She is a regular performer and MC. You'll see her all around this comedy circuit. You'll see her here at Latitude performing her shows. Um, you've also just graduated from clown school. Yes, I have. <laughs> Why is your makeup not more, more? I'm saving it for tomorrow. I, well, my clown was technically a nun because my teacher was like, "But you are like a virgin," so that is what he sounds like, Yoda. Uh, so that was it. Why did you go to clown school? Actually, can you tell us more about it? What's what's clown school like? Well, it wasn't technically. It. So it's a school called Le Col Philippe Golia, which is taught like a, by this old man called Philippe, who looks imagine a toadstool covered in moss, but in a Panama hat, uh, and that was Philippe. And so we learn all sorts of things, and occasionally he'd be like, "But before I watched this woman perform, I was a classic heterosexual male. Now I am not so sure." <laughs> and then he would send you off and pour ice cold water over your head, and then make you sing. And you go, "But now you are beautiful." <laughs> so it was enigmatic teaching. So the reason Elf is here, she's going to represent humanity. You are going to choose which of the ideas goes forward. What kind of thing would you like to hear from our panelists? Oh, something um, empowering and different. Something to do with gender, maybe. Something interesting. I don't know. I'm just picking sciencey, interesting words. I think you two can manage this. So we're also joined on my immediate right. We have got Joe Latimer. Joe is a microbiologist. He's working on human-microbe interactions and antimicrobial adaptation. And you've just started at Salford University as a lecturer. Um, you love skin. 
What's so good about skin? Well, what isn't so good about skin? I mean, it's, it's all around us, literally. It's, it's stopping us from rotting, uh, which, you know, is... That's is a good, good place to start. Especially yeah, at a festival, you don't want to be rotting. Um, yeah, it's great. It stops us getting infected. And um, it's massive, and it's very complicated. But I'm not going to go into all the detail about that. Well, you can know. He, he knows all the stuff about this. He's got a good place to pitch from. And we're also joined by Stephen Colgan. Stephen Colfin, he's an author, an artist, a songwriter, a speaker. He's from Cornwall, and he's one of the elves from QI. Yes, he is quite big for an elf. Uh, Actually, we've got two elves on the panel. I've just noticed that. Yeah, I'm I'm more of a sort of... More of a sort of troll, really. I, don't know. <laughs> but like, I always think of elves like, you know, being pixie-sized and small. Maybe, maybe yeah, well, in Cornwall, we have Cornish piskies, but I'm, I'm too big for that as well now. So. What's a pisky? Well, it's, it's, it's a pixie spelt wrong um, from Cornwall. They're, they're mischievous little sprites that they, they lead people into swamps and sink boats. And, yeah. and we're also taking those suggestions from our wonderful audience here at the Latitude Festival. Please give her a warm welcome. Yay! All right. So before we leap into the uh, hypothetical and try and decide what we'd incorporate into the human genome, we're going to start with the news stories of what's actually happening today. So uh, the panel, each one of them have brought along a news story, something in science that's caught their eye. Why don't we start with you, Stephen? What do you want to uh, talk about? Yeah, the story that caught my, um, uh, caught my eye this week was the fact that people in America, uh, surprisingly, um, are now going to plastic surgeons to have G-spot augmentation. G-spot augmentation. Yeah, what does that actually yeah. mean? Well, what it means... Get ready to cross your legs, everyone. This means having a collagen injection into the G-spot. Oh. I think basically so people find it's easier to find. I think that's the idea. Um, although what's really interesting about it is the fact that no one's actually yet proven that it exists. So, is that true? Because there might be some people here who want to argue that. Well, the thing is that there are, there are studies where people say, yes, we've definitely found it. There are studies that say, nope, there's no evidence for it. But there's a lot of people out there saying, hell, yes, it exists. Um, but the fact is that there is still no definite, 100% non-arguable fact that it exists. But people are still charging hundreds of dollars to have collagen injections put into it, if it exists. So you're just like playing darts with your... Vagina, basically. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Pretty collagen much. darts. That's it, yeah. That's if they exactly don't know where it exists, how do they know where to put it? Well, they kind of know where it's supposed to be and where people claim it is. But there's no actual... Even when you, you scan the area with sort of, um, sort of cat scans and things like this, there's nothing physical there. There's no physical object. There's no target painted there. There's no, there's no raised area. There's no particular bunch of nerves or anything. And yet people still claim that that's where it is. And some people... Um, very much claim that's where it is. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's it certainly sound... enough that people are actually um, trying to augment it. It's sounding more and more like Atlantis rather than anatomy here. <laughs> like, are we going to get sex guides one of these days and they've got these markers saying, here there be dragons or something? Yeah. I was going to do, do a little gag there suddenly, and I suddenly thought, it's probably age-related because no one will get the joke if I say, yeah, you start looking close enough, you'll find Doug McClure. But no one will get that, <laughs> will they? <laughs> Unless they're over a certain age. What does the G stand for? I should uh, know this because I read Grafenberg, it the man who it's named after. What does it? A man called Grafenberg. Why, why is it named after a, a man? Yeah. Well, because because. I want to rename it. Because all scientists are men, obviously. You know. 
Oh, come on, should we well, sisters? it was the case, of course, at the time. Yeah. Sisters doing it for themselves in a very different way. <laughs> I, I read a really a bizarre article. Again, it was like on a, like a, online, like, seven things you shouldn't put on your vagina, which obviously I clicked on. Um, and it said... Piers what? Morgan. And it said to... <laughs> <laughs> but it said at the top, don't worry, girls, it's impossible to lose anything in your vagina. Which I thought, just because it means it's impossible to lose doesn't mean it's easy to retrieve afterwards. <laughs> just that it was such a silly article to do. Well, if they've lost the G-spot itself, surely yeah, they can lose anything, though. Yeah, it's... it's, um, <laughs> it's I mean, the whole area of search, uh, research into, into human sexuality is fraught with difficulty anyway, because um, there have been a number of books where people have actually talked about the, the research into human sexuality, and the biggest problem is trying to get a research grant and explaining what you want to do with that money. Um, because in certain cases, it, it, it just sounds like, I've just got this great idea. We could have some real fun, lads. Uh, just give us some money so we can fund it. it it's difficult. I, I find it quite extraordinary that such a fundamentally important part of, of the human condition, the thing that actually makes the species continue, is still probably one of the least researched areas of human anatomy. I have a bit of a confession here, because, um, you see, I, I'm an evolutionary biologist by training, and during my master's, uh, I was doing studies into zebra finch sperm, and I had to do some things which mean that I haven't been able to look a bird directly in the eye ever since. Um, Joe, what is your new story? What have you brought along for us? Uh, well, I'm going to bring it um, to a slightly different area. Um, You're going to lower the tone from that, correct? I'm going to lower the tone, but increase the altitude. Um, so my new story is... Well, I'm a microbiologist, um, and I'm a double geek because I also like flight and space flight in space because it's exciting, right? So my new story is microbiologist in space. I mean, that's, that's good, isn't it? So um, Dr. Kate Rubin has just been blasted off on a Soyuz rocket um, into space to do experiments on the International Space Station Ooh. because no one's figured out yet what happens to us and what happens to our microbes and what happens... Um, on a genetic level when people travel in space, which is a bit absurd because we've been going there for about 50 years, right? Mm. So she's going to be doing the first experiments, actually growing cells and looking at um, cell-microbe interactions in space. And part of uh, doing that is that she's going to be um, sequencing uh, genomes. So she's going to take a DNA sequencer up there and sequence the hell out of everything she finds in the hope of then developing something where they can go to Mars and uh, find new life, maybe. That's really cool. So I guess cool. it is amazing that things we understand so, so well here, because microbiology is... I know that there's so many microbes that will never be done, but it's something that we do quite well on Earth at the moment, and this is the first time there. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So um, they don't even know how it's going to work, because at the moment on Earth, if you want to grow some cells, you have a dish and you put some liquid on it, and it sits at the bottom of the dish. But in space, that's not going to work, is it? Because there's no gravity. So they don't even know whether that's going to work. So they're working from scratch. So what they've done so far is they've taken samples from the space station and sent them back down to Earth. But mm. in future, when they're going to want to go and uh, explore, that's not going to be feasible. So she's uh, doing some pretty groundbreaking stuff. I was just Nothing thinking you could have these little disease-ridden planets just floating around inside the space station, couldn't you? 
Yeah, we could be spreading... Little globules of liquid covering things growing, just floating around. Well, that's the thing. They don't know what's up there. So every, every astronaut and cosmonaut that's gone up onto the space station has taken up their own set of bacteria. And it's a closed system, so oh, yeah, that's no true. one knows where those bacteria but, have but gone, how many are surviving, and what's going on. There, there's a mate of mine who lives in Bristol, and I think he's got the best job title I've ever heard, because he's called a, an officer for planetary safety, which... You know, that's going straight on a Tinder profile, isn't it? Like, it's really incredible. He's manning the giant laser. Ah, well, <laughs> it's even weirder, though, because the planet is not Earth. His whole purpose is to try and protect other planets. So he's the guy who's responsible for sterilizing spacecraft and the bits that we put in them to make oh, sure that we cool. don't infect other places. Because it'd be nothing worse than going to Mars looking for life and discovering we'd taken it there. Yeah, but War of the Worlds, well, we the coal killed them, didn't it? <laughs> so. If you've seen War of the Worlds, spoiler alert, you know, yeah. that's what wipes them out. If, well, if you've seen the film, if you haven't seen the film, don't, right? But, you know. If you have seen the, seen the film, it's spoiled anyway, isn't it? Let's be honest, if you've seen it. Sounds yeah. like Awful. the start of a really interesting horror film, just going with some moss floating in a space station and suddenly zombies! They're I don't know how science works. But. The word microbiologist and interesting has been in the same place until Joe came along this yes. Cool. Mission accomplished. What about you, uh, Elf? What news stories caught your eye lately? Well, I got very excited by doing some research on science because that is not my area of expertise. So in research to this, I typed in science news and I discovered lots of cool stuff and this really brought out my inner Philip K. Dick. So I'm not sure if you've read uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? But this news story got me really excited about it. So, and I've got some notes because it took me ages to pronounce all the big words, um, such as myocytes. So basically... In Illinois, at the University of Illinois, they've been doing soft robotics. And what they did was they've made this golden skeleton of a skate, the fish, but one-tenth of the side. size. So it's really tiny. And then what they did is they got 20,000 uh, rat heart cells, which are called cardiomycites. Oh, well, I thought that was quite a thing. Thanks, guys. And then they put them, and um, basically what they did, they sort of uh, mutated them, or not mutated them, uh, what's that? Bioengineered them to react to light. So what happened is they then put them on top of the golden skeleton. And so when the light shines on them, the cells contract and relax, causing the skate to move and be directed by light. So it's not quite an organism and it's not quite a robot, but it's sort of split between the two. And it's really incredible because it means, one, if we can do that type of thing with cells, we could potentially make, uh, what's the correct word for it? Oh, yes, uh, artificial hearts, which would be good for heart transplants. But it also means we can make artificial creatures. So that's <laughs> something to look forward to. A question uh, here, then. Okay, you say they respond to light, then. Yeah. Um, if I had a heart that only beated when it was, like, in the presence of light... You'd have to go to a lot of discos. Yeah, it, it seems to be kind of a weird bit. Although, actually, those skates could be really useful. They'd answer that question of what happens to the fridge light whenever you close the door. Yeah. You could just leave it in and see if it wanders around. Does that mean everyone in Norway would be dead for six months of the year? <laughs> There's a downside. Why even Norway? Jeez. Have you been to Scotland lately? I, I, oh, <laughs> That's man. True, yeah. It's awful sometimes. It's a lovely, lovely place when you can see it. Right, so that's news stories. That's the kind of stuff which is happening right this very minute. But now we're going to take a leap into the unknown. Audience, we can just about see you. If at any point you have any questions or suggestions and things, stick your hand high in the air and Rachel's going to race to you with the microphone. But at this point, you can make your pitches. For those who've just joined us, we're trying to put together a design spec for human evolution. We're trying to figure out what you would like on the to-do list as such. 
What do you want to see in the next stage? Human 2.0. I noticed another really cool one as well. Can you I want an, oh, you've got another cool fact. Yes, of I've course you another, can say it. I'm not sure, but give me a chance. Do you... I hate... You know people with wheelie suitcases who do not know how to wheel those wheelie suitcases? You know, I feel like there's, everyone should have a license to use a wheelie suitcase. Because there's always that one person who moves as if they're drunk. Anyway, Olive Robotics have come up with a suitcase that you can ride like a Segway. And I know that sounds more dangerous, but you can control it with your phone. So imagine Herbie as a suitcase. And it means it's a completely efficient suitcase and it can tell exactly where its owner is. So if you don't have any friends, your suitcase is your new friend. And it's just so much more practical because it means that then you can just go zoop and it just turns up at King's Cross St. Pancras. And if it gets lost, it finds you. Well, I thought that was very exciting, so... It's fair enough, but like I've never, seen, I've never watched anybody in a Segway and thought, yeah, they're cool. Really? It's so, you're not going to see James Dean on a Segway, are you? What point does that happen? Just somebody hitting a curb over and over again with a bit of optimism slowly dying in their eyes. I saw um, in Paris all the ticket inspectors on the trains have seg Segways and they go along the platform on their Segways and they pause you and check you for your tickets. They get fun. They get fun. So, so your suitcase is smart enough to be able to find its way home. Yes. So when we've got driverless cars, mm -hmm. your suitcase will load itself into a driverless car and bring itself home. Oh well, it doesn't have. You don't arms, even have to go on holiday, Steve. do you? You just send your suitcase on holiday. Yeah. Actually, if you ever have your suitcase mislaid by certain airlines, who will remain nameless here, they've had longer holidays than I've had already. <laughs> Some of them have iPod speakers, so you can well, use them the for parties. Look, the guy in the Segway's here. Put your hands in the air. Well, they can, because they're not touching anything. Good point. Ooh. Why don't we start with you this time, Joe? What do you reckon? How would you change the human species? Okay, so initially this is going to sound a bit boring. Smart bacteria, right? Does that sound boring? Yeah. Okay. You might have to <laughs> bear with me on this one. Okay, so we've all got bacteria, right? We're all living with bacteria, we've got loads of them in our bodies, yeah, on, on our bodies. I've done a bit of maths actually and figured out how many bacteria all of us in the festival are carrying. It's a few, <laughs> it's 1.4 quintillion, and that's a one with 18 zeros. What about the end of the festival? At the end of the, well, <laughs> well, that's it. I, it, might, it might be that if you get particularly dirty, it might go up, but then there's also the alcohol thing. Ethanol kills bacteria, so it might kind Depends of Depends on how many out. people you kiss as well and how much bacteria you pass on through that. We should point Absolutely. out, actually... Absolutely, kissing is very dirty indeed. Yes. Yeah. Joe is also good doing for a the talk here system. called Science of Snogging, is that Science right? Science of Snogging tomorrow at the... Am I allowed to plug that? Yeah, but you're kind of basically saying come get infected. That was what you were arguing there. Oh, I'm just going to say it's, it's fine. It's, snogging's good. I see, I've already said it. It's fine. You don't need to come tomorrow. Just in Snogging's case any good. of you were worried... It's like I said earlier, you apply for a grant, I've got this idea. <laughs> so yeah. tell us more, why, why smart bacteria? What does smart bacteria actually mean? Okay, so I'm being a little bit selfish here, possibly. Uh, so we've got all these bacteria, and they're brilliant, actually. They're really good for us. In fact, we couldn't live without them, so they do lots of stuff for us. Well, we've evolved with them for a start. We've evolved over hundreds of thousands of years. We wouldn't be who we are if it wasn't for them and they wouldn't be who they are if it wasn't for us. So they digest our food, they make our vitamins for us, they fine-tune our immune system, they tell our body what's bad and what's good, so they know what to react to. 
And they're pretty amazing, but they're still bacteria. So our body isn't great at telling the difference between our friendly bacteria, which aren't friendly, I'll get to that in a minute, and potentially harmful bacteria. So, and then every time we take antibiotics, we're not just killing the bacteria that are infecting us, we're killing also the ones that are keeping us alive, which is a bit crap, isn't it, really? I'm oh, sorry, I just saw like you wanted to jump in there with something, because I've got questions here, among other things, is that uh, basically, does yogurt ever do actually anything? Not for thrush. <laughs> no. Again, another thing I read on it. Cosmopolitan. Stop putting thrush on your bits. It does nothing. I learned this Stop from a gynaecologist I also met on the bus. It doesn't matter what flavour it is. Oh, never use a Muller fruit corner. <laughs> Make it even worse. Well, not the ones with the cornflakes, anyway, actually. You don't crunch. <laughs> <laughs> What have you been oh. reading, Simon? No, I don't know, because that is a funny thing, isn't it? Like, when did people start thinking that, you know, yogurt was the answer? Um, when they wanted wrong? to sell a lot of yogurt. <laughs> yeah. I think that's actually the answer. So it is mostly marketing. Yogurt does do nothing, then. As an official microbiology slant, at well, what stage is yogurt ever useful? Uh, if there's anyone here from Yakult listening, um, I'm not going to say that outright, but the fact is that the bacteria in us and on us are so complex. So they interact with each other and they interact with us and there's hundreds and hundreds of different species. So all I'm saying is it seems a bit unlikely that if you take a few spoonfuls of one particular species, mm -hmm. it might not necessarily um, be anything. Have you got a favorite bacteria? Oh, now, I've already is admitted I'm a massive geek. Is it Barry? Barry the bacterium. Yeah. <laughs> No. Oh, is my favourite. Is he? Mine's, um, mine's got a name. He's called Conan the Bacterium. That's a real thing. Officially the hardest bacteria in the entire world. What's yours then? You said you do have one. Um, okay. Yeah, I do. Um, it's called Proteus vulgaris. And it's... Yeah, right. It's because it smells vulgar, uh, which isn't a great reason to have a favourite bacterium. In fact, what is a good reason to have a favourite bacterium? I don't know. Well, but anyway... It, just I'm wondering, because you're using the phrase smart and friendly bacteria, so they, surely there are ones that are really useful to us. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, they are really useful to us. We couldn't survive without them, so I feel a bit bad saying that they're not good enough. But the problem is they're not good enough. <laughs> because... Sometimes, so let's say, for example, you have a bacterium that lives on your skin. It's called um, Staphylococcus epidermidis. And it's great because it stops us getting diseases. It tells our immune system what to do. But if you have a cannula in your hand or if you have an implanted medical device, it goes, all right, this is amazing. We'll bind to that. And they grow and they grow and they grow and they cause horrible diseases. So I'd like them to be a little bit smarter. I want them to actually be friendly. I want them to say, no, that's not a great thing to do. I want them to be aware of us and I want them to actively go out of their way to help us. Have we got any mechanism, actually? Like, how would it be possible? Because I know we've got genetic engineering and things nowadays and we're good at genetically modifying bacteria. How could we make a smart bacteria, a friendly, friendly bacteria? Well, it's difficult. I don't think... It, I, I think it'd be very hard to actually create a whole um, microbiome. So the microbiome is the entirety of the bacteria that live on and in your body. Mm. It would be very difficult to make um, a model smart microbiome because all our microbiomes are very different. So us four on the panel have very different microbiomes. In fact, some people think that you can identify somebody by the bacteria that they leave behind. So it'd be very difficult to 
um, model a particular smart microbiome. So I think you probably have to rely on those bacteria um, mutating and evolving themselves, mm. which is possible because bacteria have a generation time of down to an hour, which is much better than we do. Our generation time's 20, 30 odd years. So you, know, you can hope, can't you? No, it's a fantastic idea because I know, like, uh, I know there's lots of creatures which do evolve and change in relation to humans. So a lot of diseases that we had millions of years ago or thousands of years ago even are evolving to become less virulent because a disease does not want to kill you. If it kills you, it loses its host. That's right. So we've got all sorts of things. Like, am I right in thinking that sort of mumps and measles and well, all, basically all the diseases that you get as a child were way, way worse hundreds and hundreds of years ago and they have adapted to us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So they're getting because, smart because enough we've not evolved. To we've evolved with them. Yes, we've evolved together. So uh, our bacteria change, and then we change in response, and then they change in response. So if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have turned out anything like the way we have. Wow. Well, so what do you think, Elf? Is this on the short list? I'm wondering. So if it becomes friendlier, you just yeah, like proper friendly. You like really? Does not that Facebook change the way friendly. we all behave yeah, as like human beings? Because really. it's part of your DNA. It's not part of your DNA. Well, does that change the way our personalities evolve? Because like, does friendliness equal efficiency? Like, what do you mean, like, very confident bacteria? I don't know, how would this change the human being and its behavior? Like, also, would we all end up smelling the same? Like, our behaviors, all, our bacteria is what attracts us to other people, isn't it? Like, we go for people with contrasting immune systems. So if you have our bacteria is all friendly and purposely really good, surely it would affect us. Correct me if my science is wrong. No, although I admit um, I've never looked at a girl and thought, oh, the bacteria on her, that's a new one for me. But I can see what you mean. Uh, the, the point that you've really raised there, though, is that it can change our behavior, can't it? And there's some parasites yeah, right. and bacteria. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so um, there's been experiments done where they've, um, it's a bit cruel, actually. They've, they've subjected pregnant mice to uh, stress. Oh. And then they found that the, I know, sorry. I found that they found that the, that the microbiota, the bacteria in the gut, change depending on that stress because the brain um, communicates with the gut and then that changes the composition of the bacteria in the gut. Mm -hmm. And then they found that the, the offspring of these mice were a lot more timid, um, were more prone to anxiety. But then if you take the bacteria from these mothers and give it to uh, a, an offspring that wasn't hers, they actually switch to becoming anxious and timid. So the thing that they've got out of that actually is that your your gut the bacteria in your gut can actually affect your brain and they found that it has quite a lot of links with depression um and anxiety in humans so what do you think surely it'd be nicer if they were smarter and making us feel a bit happier if nothing else sounds a bit flowers for algonon i just feel like it could end up being quite Let's put it on the short list. Let's just, I won't Aww. shoot it down just yet. I'm still yet. stuck on scientists stressing mice. I just, I just got them all with face painting to look like Garfield who's going. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. How do you stress a mouse? I didn't Tell them their partner doesn't love them? (laughs) Yeah, would you just put them in a really complicated maze? I just assume it always has to do with... In every science film, there's always a mouse in a maze. Why? Tell them they might not get promoted this year. I just think there are more interesting things for mice to do. They could have their own wheel, at least. So, okay, surely you can do this, Stephen. You can beat that. Your suggestion, what is it? Uh, My suggestion, if it were possible, would be to make human beings all the same size. No. Yeah, seriously. Straight to Smart no. bacteria. Oh, well, I've lost this way. already, just, haven't I? When the judge is saying, it would no, make netball teams so boring if everyone was the same no, size as the goalkeeper. It would be so useful if we were all the same size. No. Because there would be no. It, clothes shopping would be brilliant. No, it wouldn't. You'd have the same size feet and the same size arms, the same length of arms, the same length of legs. I mean, you still have difference in your facial features and the colour of your skin and your hairstyles and that sort of thing. But it would just mean it would be so much easier to get things done in life. I mean, all your technology would fit everyone. Your vehicles would fit everyone. All the doors would be the same size. And if we really, really did this properly, we'd make sure that the various measurements of the human body matched up to real-life measurements. So your foot would actually be a foot long. Or, you know, you would actually be five feet tall or, or, or two metres tall if you wanted to go metric. Why did you go straight to Imperial? I'm just, I'm just, well, see, I'm, I'm, I'm still quite an advocate for Imperial because Imperial evolved alongside us and it's all based on things we can see because most men, the average, the average man, has a size nine foot and a size nine foot shoe is almost exactly a foot long. So, you know, the, the measurement came from people putting their boot down and saying, that's a foot. That's a practical measurement. I can visualise that. I can visualise a metre very easily, or a third of a metre. Pro- it's probably an age thing, but I, I find it quite difficult. But I like the risk of different heights. I like it all. I like no- going to a house and not quite knowing if the door frame's going to hit my head or not. It makes me live on the they, edge. See, I thought that would be a disadvantage, because I do work with occasionally with some quite tall people, and they hate the fact that they have to cram into little seats on aircraft or, you know, or try and get into tiny seats at cinemas and things. And similarly, I work with quite a few quite short people who, I mean, said earlier, I work on QI. We've just swapped this year from having Stephen Fry as host, who's six foot five and a half, to Sandy Toxvig, who's five foot tall. She's still sitting in the same chair, but we've had to put it on a platform. <laughs> you know, it's, the things do change. And I think if we were all the same size, life would be so much easier. I mean, it works in the animal kingdom. You know, there's not a lot of variance between herring, is there? 
You know, there's not a lot of very. I mean, if you think about even the higher life forms, you know, most lions are about the same size. Most elephants are about the same size. Why do we have to have this massive variance in humans? I must say, I do remember when I was 14 and a half and I met my first boyfriend of the time on a trampoline. Um, never meet a boyfriend on a trampoline. We were face to face. I was like, wow, he's the man of my dreams. And then I stood up and I realised why his nickname was Smurf because we were from completely different heights. <laughs> and he was blue. But that's besides the point. Look, I've got to ask you a question here because there's, there's two things I can think of. And these are two questions when I'm taking board. So first of all, um, we kind of vary in size because of age. So does that mean women are going to have to give birth to fully formed adults? <laughs> and secondly, or, or is there a way around this problem? Do we age in a standard format as well? And if there's going to be a uniform size, what is that size? What is the perfect human? Ah, well, you see, that, that in itself is a difficult thing to work out because we can't even get that right now. There is this thing called a j the jaggedness principle. Have you heard of this? The jaggedness principle is the fact that there is no such thing as an average human being. I've got a couple of great examples here. Um, in the 1940s, the US Air Force uh, wanted to refit all their fighter planes with standardized cockpits. So what they did was they got all of their pilots, all of their pilots, it was 4,063 pilots, and they took 10 different body measurements from all the pilots so they could work out the average size pilot, made the cockpits that size, not one pilot fitted it. That's the jaggedness principle. Another great example is in 2011, the Australian Bureau of Statistics um, used the national census to find the average Australian. I can tell you who the average, average Australian is. She's 37, year old, uh, 37 years old. She has a son and a daughter aged six and nine. She's five feet four or 162 centimetres tall. Uh, she weighs 71.1 uh, kilograms or 11 stone. She lives in a three-bedroom house, has about $2,000 still to pay on her mortgage and a family probably who came from the UK. Okay, that's the average Australian from the census data. When they used the same data to try and find that person, there wasn't one person in the whole of Australia who fitted the bill. Did now, that include this is Aborigines, issue. or did they overlook them? <laughs> <laughs> I think they actually looked at everyone. They looked oh, at everyone okay. in Australia, everyone who was on the census. Double checking. So you know, regardless of, of yeah. racial background. Surely it's a slippery up. slope, though. Because it's, 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 well, we're not, we're not it's talking eugenics, eugenics well, isn't it? Not really, because and then and then what gender and race? Depending and on race as well, like everything. No, you've got to have everyone it'd be being nice different. To, it'd be nicer to be able to choose your height. So Are if you, you can go go gadget legs. Oh. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I've got quite long legs. Well, not massively long legs, but when I get on a long flight, it's a bit horrible because I can't stretch out my legs. So it'd be nice to just go, you know, to be but able to But wouldn't it be nice if you were on that go, plane? Well, just be a bit smaller, have all the leg room I like, and then grow again once I... Once I'd love to be six foot seven. Oh, that would be the dream. But Why? that might, that might be what we should all be. What, I was six foot from the age of ten, and I remember waiting for my growth spurt, <laughs> and then realising it had already <laughs> happened. But, but what shelf can you not defeat? I uh, can defeat every shelf. <laughs> But then yeah. there's, there's all this, there's, there's so many things built into society all about tall being good. You know, we talk about looking down on people. And, and there is some evidence to suggest that people who are taller do better in business and are more successful. The, the Surely if we could get everyone the same height, and imagine going to a cocktail party and everyone's at the same height, everyone's at the same eye it level. It depends on gender, though. I remember always, well, I still get it now, always, especially from... People come up to me and go, oh, it must be such a shame you can't wear heels. I'm like, what do you mean I can't wear heels? I wear heels all the time. Just because I'm six foot tall means I'm just committed to only wearing trainers. <laughs> so I always wear heels now just to be purposely like the BFG, but sassier. Also, how would, um, how would, uh, how would it work when you, when you go through puberty? So would, would it be like the film Big, where you go to sleep and you're... 
no, small, I, I and think, then suddenly I think you, you wake up Tom Hanks. Or you'd have to have sort of stages, you know, that by yeah. the age of ten you'd be a certain height and a certain size and a certain weight, and then by the time you reach fifteen it was the same. You know, everyone's buying kids uniform, clothes. Right, like oh, no, parents, wouldn't it be great for buying kids clothes and handing down uniforms and things like that? See, there's so many advantages. There may be another one here, because I, I think actually the thing you're missing here on the uniformity is that this is something that scientists and artists have been trying to understand for millennia. So Leonardo da Vinci was the guy who drew the Vitruvian Man, and it wasn't the first Vitruvian Man. It was trying to understand the proportions of life. So actually, maybe even the proportionality is useful. I know there's a really good test you can do where if you get a pair of trousers and you're not sure if they will fit you, uh -huh. if you have time around your neck in the right way, that's roughly the same length of your legs. Yeah. So the proportionality of life might be good. It's like when you do drawing and you work out exactly where everything is with oh, your yeah, face. Yeah. So I, you use the measurement of your eye to work out where your mouth is. So when you're drawing and you do, when artists do that to work out... You don't out know where your mouth is. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you draw it, I'm not I sure... I knew we didn't, couldn't find the G-spot, but the mouth <laughs> is a whole different reason. Well, it's another, it's another great one, isn't there? The fact that the, from the wrist bone to your elbow is exactly the same length yeah. as your foot. And this, when you raise out all your arms, that's how tall you are. Is that true or is that just from another film? No, that's true. That's absolutely true. If, you, if you were to measure from your wrist you've bone been watching 90s, to your elbow, you check it against your foot. It's I, true. The idea of us all being the same size, although I may, it makes sense for practical reasons, I think it annoys me because of the idea... You know those books on what's beauty and beauty is always linked to symmetry and that idea that everything must be identical in order for it to be perfect. I think it takes away all uniqueness and the variety of different shapes and sizes. And also, it's nice when you meet someone who's really tall or really small and, and it you takes just create prejudice. something really exciting. And it takes away prejudice and jealousy as well. No, but, but we shouldn't worse. have those in yeah. the first place. <laughs> The, the reasoning here, here. of we have to all be the same <laughs> to stop being... They're on a slippery oh, no, slope we, there, in a way. We can still be different facially. We can still have different hairstyles. We can still tattoo our bodies and that sort of thing. Just in terms of, you so know, height, height, height weight and, and sort of diameter. Wouldn't it be useful? No, if but what if same? you really wanted to be big? Like, you wanted to be, like, a proper, like... I can't do with the measure, so, but you and you couldn't, and you yeah, were just sort of stuck so. being like, I don't know, what size would we see big? 12 or a 14 or a 10 or an 8? Or, you know, what if you wanted to be so big you could roll down a hill, but you couldn't? I think I know the answer here. Answer this, Stephen. Technology. Uh. I would have a fat suit that I could roll down a hill in. Same way you can suit. get sumo suits, you know. Well, come on then, I think we're going to have to move on here because the audience side. will have better suggestions. <laughs> Is this on the short list, Elf? <laughs> It's not looking good. Clearly not. It's not looking no, good. No, no. It's not looking good. Okay. I say no. I like this. I feel like a dictator, but a friendly one. <laughs> That's what they all say, isn't it? Thank you. Hi, my name is John. Hi, John. Um, Hi, John. Um, you've talked about like kind of the physical side of things, but what about the mental side? What is a sociopath, and what impact do they have on society? And is there anything that we could do to kind of mitigate that impact? Yeah. So, what is a sociopath? What impact do they have, and should we do something about it? Well, this is fair, okay, because the question really here would be, what is the use of sociopaths? So if we're looking from an evolutionary viewpoint, which is my background, what do they do that's useful? And the thing we have to, I suppose, remember is that evolution is selfish. It does not care what we think about it. It doesn't mean we have to like it. Mm -hmm. I think we should make them all the same size <laughs> and then give them a lot of yoghurt. <laughs> I don't know. know what I'd do in it first. Revolt. Um, Revolution. Actually, help us out here, guys. And so it, it, we really need suggestions, though. Like, how do we cure them? Because the problem might well be that if everybody does end up being nice, according to game theory, you get what you call hawks and doves. And if everybody is a dove, and if we're all kind, then that's actually when it really opens up the opportunities for those who are willing to cheat. So in other words, the capitalist pig dogs 
are actually at a bigger advantage if there's much, much less of them. Because we can, you know, we're all too nice to them. Perhaps we need to find a way of, what you need is, what you need is policing. And this is where you can become very, very useful, Stephen, because you used to be a police officer. Yeah. Because what you need actually to do is to find punishments for the worst behaviors. Battle Royale. <laughs> <laughs> but you say that. Or the I, Hunger I mean, Games. When I was a cop, what I found is the thing that worked better than punishments for bad people was rewards for good people. It always yeah. worked better. It, I mean, there's, there's a great scheme running in Scandinavia at the moment with um, speeding drivers, where if you go through a, a camera, it puts up a big sad face on the screen and says, you've been caught speeding, you've been reported to the police. But if you go through a camera and you're under the speed limit, big smiley face, thank you for being a good driver, you've been entered into the good driver lottery. And someone at the end of the week will win like 10,000 kroner just for being a good driver. And, and wherever they put this in place, there's been a, a substantial drop in the number of speeders. It's been really, really good. Um, I like that sort of thing. While we're on this, Stephen, because you're the perfect person for asking this, because you had a very interesting unit that you worked with as a policeman. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Because yours was preventative in trying to change Yeah, and I, I did uh, 30, I mean, obvious, isn't it? Cop to QI writer, obvious career move. Um, now, I was a policeman for 30 years, and for the final 10 years of my time, I worked in a specialist unit at Scotland Yard called, terrible name, we were called the Problem Solving Unit, but the idea was we went out and looked at problems that... Um, basically wouldn't go away. No matter what you did, all the traditional methods didn't work. We found slightly more inventive, different, left field, or just, just the correct answer that no one had bothered to find because they'd never dug down and worked out what the actual cause of the problem was. Can you give did us you have segues? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. See, I love segues. I got riding them around Black Park, you know. Off-road, they're brilliant. Um, examples. Um, some of the ones that obviously... Uh, I mean, a very popular one, one that hit the press, was, was using lollipops outside nightclubs to keep nightclub uh, people quiet when they're coming out of nightclubs because what was happening is they were coming out, there was lots of noise, uh, neighbours were complaining, police would turn up, things would escalate a little bit, then people would start getting a bit punchy, someone would get arrested, and it never worked. And we found that if we could actually keep the noise down in the first place, um, that worked tremendously, and lollipops were a great thing because... Most of the noise complaints, sorry ladies, most of the noise complaints were women's voices because women's voices are a higher register and they carry further and women tend to gather in groups, you know, quite rightly for their own safety or whatever, um, or to be social. Um, so if you get them all lollipops, it's very difficult to be noisy when you've got a lollipop in your mouth. But when you gave them to the blokes, that was the most interesting result because blokes stopped getting punchy when they got a lollipop in their mouth. It could be because they look a bit stupid. It could be because it's quite childish. Um, it could be the sugar rush. You know, it could be all sorts of reasons. But the problems went away just for just for a bag of sort of like ten p lollipops, and it didn't even come out of taxpayers' money. It, the, the club actually paid for it themselves. So we did stuff like that all the time. I just say, I love cool. the idea of two men about to fight, and then someone's like, "No," and no. then just hands them a lollipop. Have a chupa chup. Yeah, talk, but it works. It, it works. It really works. It's extraordinary. Wow. Are you happy with that answer, sir? Because like, actually, he's actually got some solutions. I don't know if he's genuinely saying we just have to give all human lollies. Just give them all lollipops. Well, um, I think it's a more general problem than just people coming out of nightclubs. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, could you possibly test for it at a younger age and help people not to become so predatory? But the thing is, if you tested someone for being a sociopath and then suddenly you were branded being a sociopath, it would cause a divide in group. Wasn't there how that whole... I watched an episode of Law and Order UK once, and there was oh, a... All the, the facts. 
uh, all the facts. <laughs> but there was uh, there is a scientific. There was something about the uh, the. What's the word? When you there's something gene where someone is more when someone's more inclined to be aggressive, and they said if this can be passed on, you're more inclined. And then they started using it as a defence yeah, yeah. against. Oh well, you are more likely to do this because you have this particular gene. I don't think it's, uh, labeling someone as so, there are lots of sociopaths who actually are nice people. It just affects the way you sort of behave and well, empathy levels. That you can't put people into groups like that. Sorry. So I mentioned before that that our bacteria can affect our mood. So it could possibly theoretically be that someone who ends up being a sociopath just has different balance of different species of bacteria probably in their gut that's affecting their brain. So you could actually be quite smart because one of the ways that you can replace um, gut bacteria in patients who have, um, we call it dysbiosis, different wonky species compositions in their gut, is something called a fecal transplantation, right? So that's really good because then you can combine a cure and a punishment at the same time. There's um, a, a genuine, this I found out recently, my friend, he's... Um, a psychiatrist in London and someone came in with um, an older gentleman and they diagnosed him with quite uh, intense schizophrenia and so they put him on all this uh, uh, medication and he suspected that actually it wasn't schizophrenia because he uh, was a practicing gay man and he'd been around during the HIV spread in the 80s. Anyway, what had happened was they tested his brain. He had a case of syphilis that had never been treated and it had gone on for such a long period of time. It had taken root in his brain and it actually started to alter his behavior. Once they realized that, they were starting able to treat him and affect him hugely. And uh, I found that quite fascinating. Science. It's, it's also what happens to the guy in Breaking Bad when he starts yeah. behaving really badly. It's part of the effects of his brain. Uh, a lot of the sort of, when we used to have the madhouses where we used to lock the people up back in the olden days, it started, loads of those were syphilis sufferers. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a little bit more than that though because what you're really talking about is not just um, curing diseases. You're talking like of something which is essential human behavior. And if you're going to try and stop most sociopathy, most psychopathy, most murder, the thing you've really got rid of, of, got to get rid of, is men. Because if you look at crime rates and things, aren't I right here, Stephen? Most oh, yeah. murders, most robberies, most assaults, most... And you're one of them, aren't you? You're part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, men. We are all part of the problem. Anyway, we need suggestions. And that wasn't one. But it was good discussion, <laughs> so we like you. Give them a huge round of applause. Thank you very much. Hello, could you please tell us your name and then tell us what your suggestion for the next stage of human evolution should be? Um, hi, my name is Maristella and I'm from Germany. And I'm thinking skin color or potentially hair color that reflects your mood. So, first of all, um, one of our biggest problems right now and ever is probably racism. So maybe that could be a p potential solution. And secondly, um, the socializing situation, um, human interaction situation, is kind of going down the hill with the whole texting and Tinder and whatnot. And I feel like, see, when I like someone, I'm probably going to ignore him and pretend I don't like him for him to approach me. So this whole mind-playing things going on. So maybe if, if we have um, the moods of everyone 
sort of on display, then it would make everything, yeah, human interaction more easy and simple. I think I understand here, but whenever you yeah. start talking about attraction, you made it just sound like a traffic-like party. And those <laughs> are the worst <laughs> things in the entire world. And what colours? How, you know, if you fancy yeah. someone, you suddenly went bright red. Just sit there going, like blue, a blue, blue, That happens blue, to a lot of us anyway. I don't know, you, you wouldn't be able to keep any of your secrets. The mystery of a human being is what's all going behind closed doors. I wouldn't like the idea of everybody being, like, if I was doing a gig and it wasn't very going very well and suddenly I went bright green, it's not going to put that much confidence in the, or if I could tell that they weren't enjoying it and they all went morose. That's yeah, not right. a colour, <laughs> but we can imagine it'd probably be great. There are animals that do it, though. I mean, cuttlefish do it, don't they? Yeah. Cuttlefish express their mood with, with sort of moving patterns of colours over yeah, their body cuttlefish and, are and things like that. We go when we get aroused, don't we? We go bright pink in the cheeks and stuff. Like, we show colour in certain yeah. ways. Yeah. But it is all over. Like, you were talking there, Joe, about blushing. And blushing is a full body effect. We only tend to notice in the face because we're not naked as much. So yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, we all blush all over. All we time. blush on the inside I of our stomachs. At the naked um, cabaret, we did it last year. So all the audience oh, whoa, whoa, are naked, and all the yeah, all you threw that in like explain. <laughs> so every year in Edinburgh, we do the naked cabaret, and all the circus acts and performers and live artists. And last year I emceed it was like two hundred audience. We all take our clothes off to the final countdown. Um, but what was fascinating was watching the different performers. And yes, like as you tell jokes, your colour in your body changes. And also, it was interesting watching the stand-ups who had completely straight faces and straight hands, but the rest of their body was quivering with nerves in certain areas that you're not used to having to hold up when you're performing. Mm. But it was interesting, bodies changing. You might not. I thought that was really Did you fascinating. Say, like, naked circus. You that's somebody's eye out, surely. Come on. Naked, I mean, I enjoyed it heavily because it was 15 acrobats from Germany all doing tumble turns. Wow. Good Lord. Hold on, we need to give her an answer, though, Will. <laughs> so you're, you're going towards this way. Could you tell us what your name was again? I missed it. Uh, Maristella. Maristella. So, Maristella, you're suggesting our mood changing our skin colour, maybe our hair colour, our hair general colour. Yeah. So all right, what do you think, then, Elf? Is this on the shortlist? I think so. I would like everyone to still have their own skin colour, though, but maybe I quite, uh, maybe you could select it so it would be sort of like peacocking. So if you wanted somebody to know, but in a subtle way, you just went through a like, you know, bright yellow just for a second to see if they're caught. A bright so yellow when all the same size. Then we'd look like minions. <laughs> <laughs> and who wouldn't want that? That's well, fantastic. It's in there. So let's keep it Give on. her a big round of applause. Thank you. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, we are collecting design specs for the next stage of human evolution. What's I your name, it. sir, and my, what do you want? My name is Paul, and uh, like a lot of people, I think that uh, humans are getting more lazy mm -hmm. as we get uh, more evolved. And I'm thinking, as we sit at a table, and the food is down here, but our mouth is up here, wouldn't it be easier if we could just shovel the food somehow <laughs> into... Our stomach stomachs. directly. Yeah. <laughs> and so wouldn't it be great if we could evolve some sort of mouth stage in our middle belly area here? I you totally threw that one in, so you actually want us to get more lazy. Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. it's kind so of we're not lazy enough. You're going. You want us to be lazy. Just get a higher table. Well, <laughs> sounds like you've described a scene from Wally. -E. <laughs> You've actually, the real question here, though, is because, Joe, right, because you, you know about bacteria and things here, uh, and I yeah. know the, the belly button seems like an obvious intro, if you don't mind swallowing the odd bit of blue fluff. Um, why is it always blue? Actually, by whip, is your belly button fluff blue? Okay, any other colours? 
maybe we can tell people's mood by their belly button fluff. We can incorporate these ideas. So actually, hold on. If you were to bypass the mouth, so we're not doing any chewing, that's going to be the problem here, and you're going to go straight to the stomach, surely with bacteria, that's the place to pimp this up. Go full coward. Yeah, that would be, an, bacterially, that would be an absolute nightmare. So you have your stomach at a really, really low pH, and the whole point of that is to kill the bacteria that you don't want to be getting directly put into your intestines, as you, as you suggested. Um, so, yeah, you're kind of opening yourself up to an infection a bit if you do that, but, you know, saves maybe Would you lose time, taste, though? You'd lose taste. You wouldn't get to enjoy it. Well, it depends what kind of food you're eating, I suppose. I just imagine some sort of like pill, pill a post box, like you just slot the food in. But I, I, I'm not well, very good at design. Your stomach's, okay. your stomach's a little bit higher, though. It's actually up here, isn't it? That's the, this is yes, all your intestines. Your stomach's actually up here. So you just need a slightly higher table and a big hole. We are really running or out of time. Straw. <laughs> so we're going to have to cut this short. <laughs> is that on the short list, Elf? Hmm. Yes, I heard a cheer. Okay. In that case, That's you've got a couple lazy. to choose from. There's only three have made it through. So, would you like to go for Joe's idea of smart, friendly bacteria that are actually friendly? Uh -huh. um, like yogurt turned up to not be yogurty, but just good for you. Would you like uh, Maristella's idea of color-changing skin to dictate our mood, or downstream mood, or Paul's suggestion of having a stomach mouth? Stomach. <laughs> 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 She will not be swayed. She's taller than all of you. I will confidence. be swayed. But if everyone was the same size, she wouldn't be. Look, not that I'm bitter. That's right. You're, you're right. gone. Come on, Elf. What do you think? Goodness gracious. Um, it's a lot of responsibility representing all of mankind, isn't it? I just Come like. On, I don't like think? the idea of. Would that mean you'd lose your mouth here and you'd just have a mouth here? It'd be it's like Seymour from the Little Shop of Horrors going. A whole um, other office. Pardon? A whole other orifice. A whole other orifice. And who doesn't love uh, orifices? Oh, Am I right? <laughs> another place to spread yeah, bacteria. We wouldn't be able to um, be trusted with another orifice, surely. Okay. I mean, another orifice. That, that's always a winner. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like the name of Just for me by that sound reaction. Well, Sorry, so colour change, there's only a three. So what do you I want? am going to go, I like the idea of, of colour, um, your mood showing on your face, but with the idea that we still keep our race, but we just get to be a bit more colourful, because uh, I like that. Please give her a huge round of applause, then. Thank Yay. you very much. Yay. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take that idea and plumb it straight into our anatomy using real plumbing. Don't ask where the pipe goes. Before we go off, though, um, I'd love you to give a huge round of applause to our wonderful guests. We've had Joe Latimer, we've had Steve Colgan, we've had Alf Lyons. I've been your host, Simon Watt. This has been Level Up Human. Thank you and good night. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.